causes a great deal of confusion in the church, the body of Christ regarding the Sabbath. Questions that must be asked include, what should the Christian position be regarding the fourth commandment? Should the Christian observe the Sabbath? Should the Sabbath be on Sunday or Saturday? How should the Sabbath be observed in practice? Is Saturday the Jewish Sabbath and Sunday the Christian Sabbath? Our host, Bill Petrie, looks at these questions on today's Differing Things. There is a great deal of confusion in the church, the body of Christ, regarding the Sabbath. Questions that must be asked include, what should the Christian position be regarding the fourth commandment? Should the Christian observe the Sabbath? Should the Sabbath be on a Sunday or a Saturday? How should the Sabbath be observed in practice? Is Saturday the Jewish Sabbath and Sunday the Christian Sabbath? The commandment reads as follows in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, in sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It took many years of being a Christian before I understood the answers to these questions. There is a great deal of misunderstanding regarding the Sabbath. I have dear friends who belong to a church that taught doing any work whatsoever on the Sabbath day is sinful. There is a summary answer, and the bottom line is this. Observance of the Sabbath is not a requirement of Christianity. Keeping the Sabbath, along with all the other sacrificial laws, are not necessary for those who live during this dispensation of grace. We do not keep the Sabbath for the same reason that we do not sacrifice lambs for the remission of sin. We enter God's rest the very instant we put our faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The entire law of Moses, which includes the Ten Commandments, is obsolete because Jesus Christ fulfilled the law of Moses. Jesus instituted a new dispensation with the salvation of the Apostle Paul. Jesus' death on the cross is fully sufficient for our salvation and our sanctification. There are two very good reasons to understand this truth. The first reason is that teaching observance of the Sabbath law diminishes the completed work of Jesus Christ. There is no greater truth which we may place our faith than the truth that Christ's work on the cross is completely sufficient. Our Savior is 
our Sabbath rest. Our Savior makes us holy. Observance of a day or any aspect of the law will not gain us the righteousness we so sorely need. We embrace Christ alone through faith alone. The second reason we need to understand this truth is we desire believers to become mature Christians, fully understanding the liberty God has given to us as adult sons in this dispensation of grace. Telling people that there is no need to observe the Sabbath usually raises more questions than answers. To help address the questions, I have put together a list of reasons why the Sabbath or the fourth commandment is not applicable to the body of Christ in this present dispensation of grace. I really do hope that this helps you in your Christian walk. First, the laws of the Mosaic Covenant are fulfilled in Christ. The law and the Sabbath were pointing to Christ. It was a shadow of what was to come and not the substance. Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 state, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. Jesus said that he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law in Matthew 5.17. In fulfilling the law, he completed the law. How did he do this? Jesus fulfilled the law by obeying the law perfectly and by completing the sacrificial system. Jesus saves to the uttermost. In what way can we offer one more sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins? Jesus' pronouncement it is finished, signified the completion and fulfillment of the law. Two, the Mosaic Covenant is made with Israel and not with the church of this dispensation. The Mosaic Covenant is a conditional covenant and not to anyone but Israel, according to Exodus chapter 24 verses 1 through 11. Because it is conditional, it can be broken and annulled. The Mosaic Covenant involves the 613 mitzvah laws, or blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. The law of commandments and ordinances served as a wall to separate the Israelites from the Gentiles. The Gentiles did not participate in the covenants of promise, but were separated. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 15 reads, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being alien from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope 
and without God in the world. He goes on to say, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometime made, were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace, who has broken down, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for the making himself of twain one new man so making peace there's a couple things you need to notice here jesus christ abolished in his flesh the law of commandments and he made in himself of two different entities one new entity Yes, he took Israel, and he took the body of Christ and made something new. The body of Christ. God isn't dealing with Israel today. And the covenants were given to Israel. Romans 6.14 states, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Not being under the law renders the Mosaic covenant is not pertinent. Third, the law of Moses is in obsolence. Paul states that Christ is the end of the law in Romans 10.4. Galatians chapter 3 shows that the law came 430 years after, and it was added to the Abrahamic covenant of circumcision given to the nation of Israel. The law was given until the seed should come. Christ, the seed, has come. Hebrews teaches that the Mosaic law provides the basis for the Levitical priesthood, but for the new priesthood to take place, the order of Melchizedek, a change of the law is required. Hebrews chapter 7 verses 18 through 22 address this. Again, we learn this all from the pen of the Apostle Paul. He writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 4 through 11. In this passage, Paul specifically refers to the Decalogue or the 10 commandments by saying the commandments written in stone have come to an end in verse 11. 4 the Christian lives by the law of Christ or the law of the Spirit. We are not under the Mosaic Covenant. Therefore, we are not obligated to keep the laws of the Mosaic Covenant. To keep the law of Moses places us into an inferior position than what we already have. It makes us debtors to do the entire law of Moses. Galatians 5.4 tells us, Christ is become of no effect unto you, whosoever of you are justified by the law. You are fallen from grace. <clears throat> 5. The Ten Commandments are integral to the Mosaic Covenant and are called the Tablets of the Mosaic Covenant 
in Exodus 34.28, Deuteronomy 4.13, and Hebrews 9.4. These refer to the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, as representing the covenant God made with Moses for the people of Israel. The Ten Commandments are synonymous with the Mosaic Covenant. There is no body of Christ reference to establish the tablets of the Mosaic Covenant as part of this dispensation of grace. 6. There is no separation between the Ten Commandments and the other Mosaic laws. There is no scriptural justification to separate the Ten Laws, the Ten Commandments written on the stone tablets, as separate from the 613 laws which make up the totality of the Mosaic Covenant. The Decalogue is representative of the Mosaic Covenant and is considered a summation of the laws. It is this principle of unity of the law that is referred to in James chapter 2, verse 10. The totality of the law, being all 613 commandments, is taught in the New Testament. When the New Testament refers to the law, it refers to the 613 laws, not just the 10. Here are a few of the many examples. The Gospel of John says the law was given through Moses in John 1.17. In John 8.5, we see that the law of Moses includes stoning those that are caught in adultery. The punishment for stoning is not in the Ten Commandments. In John chapter 7, verse 23, Jesus includes circumcision as part of fulfilling the law of Moses. Based on these three passages, we see that the Apostle John writes of the law as one entity. Jesus' parents bring him to the temple in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. For the law of Moses, which is also interpreted in the same passage as the law of the Lord, after completing everything according to the law of the Lord, the parents, Mary and Joseph, return with Jesus to Galilee. The account teaches that the law of Moses includes the sacrificial system. Hebrews chapters 7 through 10 refers to the law and the sacrificial rites is one entity of the Mosaic Covenant, very clearly seen in one verse in particular, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. When Christ talks about the law in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he explains the application to include laws of the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments as well as laws that are not in the Decalogue, such as divorce, keeping an oath, retaliation, and loving one's enemies. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Christ includes tithing with the law. When Christ talks of the law, 
he speaks of more than just the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments. In this passage, Christ refers to heavier, weightier matters of the law, such as justice, mercy, and faithfulness. When Paul speaks of the law in the book of Romans, he refers to circumcision in some areas and laws specific to the Ten Commandments in others. He makes no distinction of higher laws which continue and law which passes away. Let me repeat this. When Paul speaks of the law in the book of Romans, he refers to circumcision in some areas and laws specific to the Ten Commandments in others. He makes no distinction of higher laws which continue and law which passes away. Paul refers to all the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the 613 mitzvahs as singular one law, not a law with separate distinct parts. Seven, the Sabbath is given as a token or sign of the Mosaic covenant and prophecy of future rest. With God's covenants, Signs are given as a token or reminder of the covenant, the rainbow, circumcision, and even the Messiah are all signs associated with Old Testament covenants. Old Testament passages tell us that the Sabbath is given as a sign. Just read Exodus chapter 31 verses 12 through 17. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, and Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20. All of these passages show the Israelites that they were given as a people separated unto the Lord. The Sabbath is given to them as a reminder of their deliverance from the land of Egypt. Were you delivered from Egypt? Those observing the Sabbath are showing that they are living in agreement with the covenant. Not observing the Sabbath is to not be under the covenant. Under that economy, under that dispensation of law, not observing the Sabbath would subject them to being punished by death. Eight, the fourth commandment is a command to cease or desist from work. <clears throat> the word Shabbat, which is where we get the word for Sabbath, is a Hebrew word meaning to cease or desist. Keeping the Sabbath was largely a matter of prohibition from work. In other words, no gathering of food, no traveling, no kindling of a fire, 
No gathering of wood, no trading, no marketing, no burden bearing. It was observed as a day of rest. 9. The fourth commandment is a command for a six-day work week. The fourth commandment includes the phrase, Six days shall you labor, Exodus 29. To obey the command requires obedience to working a six-day work week. Why is the phrase, six days shall you labor, ignored? By those propagating a Sabbath day keeping for a Christian. Many Christians only work five days a week. It is inconsistent to enforce and practice keeping a Sabbath, half of the law, while not enforcing a six-day work week, the other half of the law. 10. The Sabbath is not a law instituted at creation, but under the Mosaic Covenant. Some say that the Sabbath is a command of God given in Genesis. To interpret Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, as a law given to humanity is an error. Though sin abounded, God gave no law until Moses. Paul states in Romans chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, that there was no law given from the time of Adam until the time of Moses. Furthermore, from Adam to Moses, there is no record in scriptures of anyone keeping the Sabbath, especially during the period of Egyptian slavery and captivity. In Genesis chapter 2, it is called the seventh day and not the Sabbath. Especially when we think of this thought, in Genesis 2, God doesn't refer to the day as a Sabbath. Again, he refers to it as a day of rest. It is a description of what God did, not what God requires of man. To interpret Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 as a law, also requires creating light on Sundays and animals on Friday. From the plain reading of the text, there is no reason to conclude that God intends to view every seventh day to be holy. Rather, it is quite possible to interpret that God declares that day, the actual seventh day, is holy. Interpretations which add, such as saying that God rested on the seventh day to establish the Sabbath, an underlying reason why God declares the day holy is adding to the text. It is saying something the text simply does not say. 11. To disobey the Sabbath is punishable by death. Exodus 35 verses 1 through 3 says, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day 
you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. You shall kindle no fire in all your dwelling places on the Sabbath day. If we are to prescribe obedience to the Sabbath fully, we need to consider obedience to carrying out the punishment to those who disobey. 12. The Sabbath is a religious observance for the benefit of man and not a reflection of the moral holiness of God. The principle is the reason Jesus could say to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2 verse 27. God's righteousness is reflected by a man when a man keeps the law. In the parallel account of this event in Matthew chapter 12 verses 1 through 8, Jesus indicates that it is lawful for the priest to labor on the Sabbath if the Sabbath observance reflects the holiness of God. Then it is wrong to allow God's holiness to be thwarted in the observance of religion. In other words, if not keeping the Sabbath is a direct attack against the holiness of God, then why would God allow unholy men to be guiltless in their temple practices of working on the Sabbath? 13. <clears throat> Unlike the other laws of the Decalogue, the Sabbath law is not written on the conscience of the unregenerate man. Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 teaches that the things of the law are written on the hearts of man and mankind instinctively knows the law of God by nature. However, as we examine civilization, we see a universal instinct that murder and theft are wrong. But we do not see a natural tendency for the observance of a Sabbath as a religious observance. 14. The Sabbath law is not changed from Saturday to Sunday. The tradition of the Christian church is to meet together on Sunday, the first day of the week. Some interpret this day of meeting as the day in which the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, was changed to be fulfilled on the first day of the week, hence the term Christian Sabbath. In support of this view, Three scripture references are given to show that Sunday is now the Sabbath day for Christians. Acts chapter 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, and Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. However, within the context of these passages, there is no reference to the Sabbath, nor is there any element of the Sabbath law. It is certainly possible to construe from these passages that indeed the New Testament church carries on the tradition of gathering for fellowship, breaking of bread, teaching and worship. However, it is not possible to interpret from these passages that the 
New Testament church gathers on Sunday to fulfill the Sabbath law. Any interpretation of this as being a Sabbath for the New Testament church requires a large amount of exegesis. Scripture is absent of any direction or commandment is given by God that advocates the changing of the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday. If indeed we are to fulfill the Sabbath law of the Decalogue today, as some would suggest, it takes a lot of gall and outright rebellion to change what God called holy, the seventh day, to the first day of the week, without having di distinct direction from God. After all, what were the apostles thinking to blatantly omit any instruction of the Sabbath observance? Unless, of course, they believed the Mosaic Covenant and the Sabbath observance to be obsolete. We can make some conclusions. We are to rest in the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ finished the work on the cross. We are to rest and enjoy the completion of work which God has done for us. We are no longer under the curse of the garden, but Christ has become a curse for us. Attempts to sanctify by the observance of the law is forbidden in the dispensation of the grace of God, since it diminishes the finished work of Jesus Christ and puts him to open shame. Observing a day of rest is a healthy and right thing to do. It is right and good to rest. It is a good principle that helps us keep the right balance in life. Those that do not make the effort to rest and work continually usually are displaying a lack of right priorities in their life. Rest regularly every week, but not for religious sake and not because you are being commanded by God to do so. We should inform others that there is no Christian Sabbath. There are some that desire to keep a Christian Sabbath out of conviction that it re represents a more Christian viewpoint. There are some that may argue that this person is the weaker brother described in Romans chapter 14 and therefore should not be judged. We should not judge the weaker brother. At the same time, we should come alongside this brother and teach them according to the scriptures how they are in error. For example, if the same brother desired to be circumcised as a religious observance and not for medical health reasons, what if a brother desired to offer a lamb sacrifice in the church parking lot as a religious observance? What if a couple that just had a child desired to bring two turtle doves to church next Sunday as an offering. What if all these people said they were doing all this in faith? Of course, what we should do is to take these Christians to the scriptures and teach them how they are in error. 
the Sabbath observance is just as integral a part of the Mosaic law as these other examples. So just as we would teach the weaker brother in these areas, we should lovingly teach them regarding the Sabbath and why it is not necessary in this dispensation of the grace of God. Good day and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.